0: to the monkey business show from cash flow to crypto all the things you need to know to invest in the market i'm aaron hodges along with richie bennett and eric salzman and we're joined once again by zach pace of on the arm welcome back to the show sir thanks
1: for having me happy to be here you you must have been good the first time because we brought you right back so (laughs)
0: that's true and one thing we didn't touch on i forgot this is that eric was saying that you were his old uh trading partner back in the day i forgot to mention that last time we had you on any war stories you want to tell real quick (laughs) we
2: we had quite a few i I remember we had a uh, uh quite a heartburn experience we had a flash crash and we weren't necessarily slinging huge positions but we had a reasonably large we probably had know maybe 80 90 tens of duration outright just we were in between a trade we were transitioning and the market just went belly up and we were down a very significant amount of money (laughs) very quickly with no opportunity to hedge it or anything like that and i was for sure that we were all going to get fired um there was nothing we could do about the position and i was like i don't know how it's going to go so eric and i and uh another partner a guy who uh, helped us out quite a bit pat we went across the street to a bar and uh, proceeded to drink a significant amount of of bourbon. And it was a fancy bar, and our trading partner basically was buying the good stuff, and uh, Sauls and I were just drinking Jameson straight. Uh, And so we basically drank an entire bottle. Uh, When the bill came, the guy was charging us doubles the whole way down, and the bill was something like $1,800 for the three of us. (laughs) For a
1: bottle
2: of Jameson. For a bottle of Jameson. So... I pulled I pulled on my best sober face that I could possibly get and I asked for the manager to come over. So the manager came over and I said, you know, sir, we frequent this establishment all the time. You know, we love it here. We bring our clients here. We've had a really bad day. We have no problem paying a premium, but at best we drank one bottle of Jameson, which you can get for fifty bucks off a shelf. I will happily pay you a, a multiple of the price of the bottle, but I cannot submit this eighteen hundred dollar bill <laughs> to the expense and compliance. I'm like, is there something you could do here to make this a lot more reasonable? So we walked out with a with a four hundred fifty dollar bill instead. So that was that was probably my second best trade uh, <laughs> at that time. <laughs> you well
3: know, we actually that I think I talked about this on um on one of the earlier shows. This is when the ten year treasury in yield went from two percent. To 1.64 percent in about 20 minutes. I've never seen it. Never seen anything like it before or since, at least in the bond world. And um, it was literally the machines just took over. Like some algo just got it into its head, and there, it was off of nothing, right? It was like there wasn't. All of a sudden, this started happening. And yeah, we're, we're, we're long mortgages, and and we we have, we're hedged with 10 years against it. So we're we're short. I mean, we we we. When the price of them goes up, we get we go down. Now, normally, with when we do that in a normal market, you're gonna, you know, yeah, So the thing you're short, the Treasuries are going up, and the thing you're you own, which are mortgages, well, that's gonna, you know, that that's it's gonna offset the mortgages are gonna, you know, the, mortgage, the mortgages go down, the treasury go up, or the, or the other way around. What was happening was our mortgages were just standing still because it was everybody was in shock. And the ten years went fucking up like like two or three points, right? And yeah. and I, I, one of the funniest things, and we won't use names, but so we had, we had, we had an electronic trading algorithm. It wasn't like a, an algo that does, but yeah, you know, we had an electronic trading platform on our desk, and the guy who ran the desk was running out. He goes pull the fucking plug on that goddamn thing. It's it was like the the, the, Algo, the, the, real machine was picking it off. It was just like, you know, bye. and, and they, they couldn't, our machine couldn't move fast enough. It was right out of uh, trading places, but yeah. And uh, you know, the one thing I'm embarrassed about is, uh, is that as Zach was telling us, I'm sure he had to say, and, and don't mind my bald friend there, who's laying, who's was, who's passed out with his head on the table. <laughs> Everything was cool. That that happens with Jamison, especially when you drink half a bottle. Sure. Like everything's cool until it's not. <laughs> what was cool was that our our third
2: partner took the train and walked Eric all the way back to his basically to his hometown and made sure he got home safely, which was <laughs> above and beyond the call of duty that night. Way above. Especially because he was probably going to get fired if the market didn't turn around the next day. <laughs> well,
3: should we commit? Should we commit in today?
0: <laughs> the algorithms are about to heat up on marijuana, I'm told, with four twenty approaching and with uh, legalization in New York and Virginia lately. and I guess some kind of reform federally. It looks like uh, Chuck Schumer is talking about it's going to happen whether or not Biden wants it or not. So what do we look for? I mean, I'm looking at a couple different companies. I'm just coming in from a perspective of, I think marijuana is going to be big business. So get me in on some stocks here. What are the big ones that people are looking at, Zach?
2: Yeah, so there's the three big companies that are sort of the most well-known, like Tilray, Canopy, Kronos, those are sort of your biggest players, the more established players in the space. And a lot of, you know, those are the ones included in the marijuana ETFs and all of that. Um, there's another list of sort of growth companies in the space of those. I think GRWG, Growth Generation, is like a, a really interesting one. It has, a, it has a nice chart. And then there's some other ones that have like a lot of momentum behind them, like AP, APHA. The one thing to note, so your excitement is shared by a lot of people. Um, But there's definitely so so all of these stocks, if you look at them from, you know, back in in even October of last year, these stocks have tripled. Right. Uh, Sometimes even more so than that. So a lot of times when you get a trade like this, it's almost like dot comish in the sense that the enthusiasm and the money rushes to the market before there's really a business plan to capture it. And so, you know, I, I would caution any investor without, you know, plunging in is to have sort of a longer term view and get some targets that they're looking for. Because, for example, New Jersey went legal in November, right? That's when it went through the ballot. The law didn't get passed until, you know, sometime early this year. Well, the very first commission meeting is going to be this coming Monday, right? They didn't even get the board together, the, 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 the CRC board for New Jersey uh, until this past week, and they're going to have their first meeting coming up Monday. Well, it's going to be, at least a year if not 18 months before there's a dispensary open in New Jersey for recreational use, right? These things just take a very long time. You know, you run into the enthusiasm gets tempered by it's not just a switch you turn it on and it's legal. You know, one, it's the banking issues, which I think we talked about last time, but two, you know, regulation is the is really the the, the governor on the on the process. If you take a look at some of the regulations that they're putting in place now, Uh, there's all kinds of issues about how close can it be to a school? Does the town, the the town that the dispensary's in, do they approve of it? What are the levels of THC you can have in the product? What are the range of products you can have? Like what are the ID forms of ID you need to have to come into the, into the store? You know, there's all, and then, there's a whole nother element of it, which is the social equity part. And so with very good reason, you know, the, the war on drugs has had a disproportionate effect on, on communities of color. And so people are saying, we're well, going to make this legal and all these people are going to make all of this money off of, you know, this brand new business. And it's going to be, you know, gold, gold rush, you know, situation, but look at all these guys who went to jail because they had three strikes against them for having an ounce of weed. Like we need to address that. I agree. It needs to be addressed, I think what's happening though is politicians being politicians and looking for sound bites. They're trying to mix the social equity with the regulatory and sort of business environment, and they're conflating the two issues. Uh, and so, what's going to happen is you're going to have regulations and, and things that are go, you're going to have to jump through a lot of hoops to sort of get the state
3: compliance to start your businesses, and I think
2: that's going to slow growth quite a bit.
3: To me, like the the, the whole, if it's a, fe- a federal regulatory, so I'm assuming it'd be under alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. Like, where are they anywhere near? Kind of putting together the, re- or are they really far away from having to? working out. So I think they're much further away than you
2: think. Uh, You know, the the Department of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearm is starting to meet with marijuana commissions and get to like fact finding and research in that regard. Um, You know, you also have the issue where President Harris, I mean, sorry, Vice President Harris is, uh, you know, is not really for it. If you look at some of the comments that she's put out there, she's actually said, you know, we've got way more important things to worry about than marijuana right now, which is not a great sign from a federal perspective i think
0: that's a similar thing to to what was happening in new jersey when chris christie was uh governor because i mean he was a prosecutor same way kamala was Mm. and uh it's tough to have somebody be the the head of a legalization of something where they were putting people behind bars for this exact same thing so and and i think biden's a, a bit of a bummer as far as this is concerned too I mean it, it, federally it looks like they're going to At least decriminalize it And let the states do whatever they want to do Right
1: mm-hmm. The problem is going to be is If you only have Local legalization Statewide You're not going to be able to transport it To the states that don't have it Until you have a federal law That allows everything to move So the transport of the of the legal drug, if you will, cannot happen. If, say, you're in Florida, like I am, and it's not uh, legal to um, have marijuana, and you're in Colorado where it is, you can't just call the Colorado place and say, give me a pack of weed and send it to me quickly. So that's gonna be a hurdle, I think, for
3: a lot of these companies. Here's another potential hurdle, and, to, to quote our favorite movie, The Godfather, do you remember when Don Corleone finally relented to Barzini to, uh, to get into the, the drug business?
0: For years, I paid my people extra so they wouldn't do that kind of business.
3: And he tells Tom Hagen to make, you know, oh, Tom Hagen, really tells the Don after they're in the car ride on the way home, and he says, I'll, I'll, we'll insist that all of these guys have clean, all the people that are doing the drugs will have a clean record. And, you know, of course, Don says to him, ask, don't insist. Are there a lot of people that are kind of big guys in the or gals in the in the weed business that have a criminal uh, you know, a criminal record or a criminal past? And what you know? So some of the greatest minds probably in the business as far as how it all works. And are like, will they be will they be excluded or like, how does that work if you have a, if you have a, a, a legal issues? Times have changed. It's not like the old days where we can do anything we want so so that's where the social
2: equity part comes in. so I think one of the reasons they're tying the social equity component to the new regulations for opening is because they do want all of these people who are the subject matter experts and sort of practitioners in the space to be able to uh, interact and, and do business without any sort of uh, marks against them and quite a few do have you know prior situations where Maybe they were caught with a, an ounce of weed or something like that, and it is on their record. And so that, that creates issues when you're trying to do IPOs and people are doing due diligence and, and you're trying to do banking relationships. That will raise some eyebrows and things like that. So I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to expunge all of those you know, sort of nonviolent um, drug-related charges and sort of clean the slate for everybody that way. Um, so that they don't have any problems going forward. Because you're right. Like anybody who is a subject matter expert in the space right now, it hasn't been legal that long, and so they've been doing it longer than, right. than it's been legal. So they've <laughs> the chances of them having been caught, you know, are probably fairly high.
1: I have a question. Um, you guys on the older side, like I am, may know why this ticker is has this uh, this ETF has this ticker. But one of the um, main ETFs is the ticker MJ, right? That's, I think it's called Alternative Harvest ETF. You guys, Zach and Eric, may know this. I know it. Aaron, I wanted to ask you, do you know why this ETF might be called MJ? Uh,
0: because it's named after Michael Jordan. That is incorrect,
1: sir. See, back in the day, when Eric, Zach, and I sat in health class and learned about dangerous drugs, they gave them different nicknames. Pot, weed. So this tells me, this gives me a clue as to to segue into talking about what kind of people are driving the bus here in these uh, programs. This is old school. They used to call pot, Aaron. Mary Jane. Come on, Richie. You think I don't know that?
0: Come on, Richie.
1: (laughs) somebody, Somebody who's running this ETF said, let's put the ticker MJ. And there's probably many young folk that do not know why it's called MJ. And that is probably why. So you do have some people who are older folks who perhaps have been in this market for a long time. Probably called the black market at some point, and are now uh, at the post of running these
3: ETFs. So I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the holdings of uh, of Mary Jane Equity, the uh, the ETF, <laughs> and and they will get into this. So as far as if you look at the top stocks, it's all tobacco: so Altria, um, uh, Philip Morris, British American the Imperial brands, so lots of yeah. So the of so the big tobacco companies are now. To, do those guys have ownership already in, in in these operations, or or is that just uh um, people trying to get ahead of the head of the trade that these guys will be involved and make a lot of money doing? It?
1: I think yeah, there are some right, like uh, uh okay. a big bath on the vaping thing. Yeah, Phil uh, so Morris, right? They like pay paid $13 billion or some shit for like a big stake in one of those vaping companies and wrote it down to like $4 billion a year later. <laughs> like they tried. But it's also like uh, we were, before we came on, a lot of the alcohol companies are, are investors too, right? So you, you want to pop a gummy bear, you drink your beer,
3: and you have a good old time. It's, it's illegal in the state of Florida. Shouldn't pay taxes. I may they may put me in jail like White Boy Rick. <laughs> Good movie. Netflix. Yeah. yeah, it's about this kid, and he, he's a, he was a legend in, in Detroit in the in the eighties. He was a seventeen year old kid. Well, actually, he started. He was a, he was actually employed by the FBI. The FBI put this kid in at fourteen years old because he just was able to get in with all the the big big drug crews in, in Detroit. And I'm gonna tell story, but it's a, it's a great. It's on Netflix called White Boy, and his so his nickname was White Boy Rick. And White Boy Rick was sentenced. He got caught with eight kilos, and he was sentenced life in prison without parole in the 80s. And the reason was was because he as a, he was a very smart kid too. And he he knew what was going on and he knew all the corruption that was going on in Detroit from the from the mayor to the chief of police. To every, By the way, the chief of police in that the real chief of police was Eddie Murphy's boss in um, uh, what's the he's a cop? You should know that Beverly Hills cop. Beverly Hills cop. Sorry. Yes. So long story short, th- this guy knew so much that they were able to jam this kid up and the FBI just stepped back and said we because they cut him loose like after a few years he, they, he had done everything they needed him to do and they just cut this kid loose and he had they took him out of school like he said I got school tomorrow and, they, and the FBI would go yeah yeah fuck that like you you need to be there like you need to be going to that party so they so and then they cut the kid loose so he goes alright well I guess I'm, I'm a legit drug dealer now I'm hooked in with all these crews I might as well be a drug dealer so uh it's a, it's a terrible, I mean, it's a very, it's a very entertaining story, but terrible. But uh, anyways, white boy Rick has been in jail for 29 years, sentenced as a 17 year old for a nonviolent crime. And the reason he kept, they kept him in because he's, because he crossed Coleman Young. He, he, he crossed all these dudes who ran Detroit, including the chief of police and, 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 um, and, and the mayor and a bunch of other people. So they just freaking jammed this kid up and put him in jail forever. Now, he's not a kid anymore. He's, like, he's a grandfather now. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Sorry to go off That's on the other right. side. But, but I uh, mean,
0: one of the things that one of the companies that I'm looking at is all about compliance because there is a lot of shadiness and corruption in this stuff since it's just starting, right? Yeah, you guys didn't have a chance to really look at it. But uh, Akerna is the, the company that I'm looking at, and it's it seems interesting. Uh, it's cannabis compliance, inventory tracking, and provider of cannabis enterprise resource planning. There's a lot more to it, and they own a lot of different brands and companies that are in this, the software and compliance space. I think, because Zach, you got me thinking last time you were on about not necessarily investing in the flower directly or dispensaries directly, but different uh, segments of this industry, and that's that's one of the ones that I'm looking at right now. I don't know if you have any kind of recommendations for that or not.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting company. So when it comes to compliance, there's, there's really like a couple of key like elements that, that need to be complied with, right? So number one is the banking. We've talked about that. But number two is, is the way that the plants are grown. Uh, and whether they're organic. So when you're talking about uh, California Clean, those are like the highest. Just like with the vehicles, California has the highest standards for emissions for vehicles.
0: That's a Katy Perry song, isn't it? California Clean. <laughs> you definitely don't want
2: me singing that. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, but th- they do have very high standards for keeping it clean. And what's interesting is, is they wanna they wanna do um, you know track and trace technology. So they wanna know. Where the, where the seed was planted, what kind of soil it was in, the pH levels, the amount of light that it gets, how much water it got, um, how fast did it grow, then where did it get shipped to? Did it get to, and then it gets tested all along the way. And this is where I think it gets really interesting, and I'd be, I'd be uh, curious if a Kerna has a solution for this. So in California, every time the, the plant or the product changes hands, it needs to be recertified and retested. Make sure, you know, it didn't get contaminated along the way, so on and so forth. So for the most part, it's okay. It's expensive, right? Like, because you got to like, and you lose some of the product and it takes, you know, as much as, you know, two or three weeks, they're starting to get a little bit better on on the testing and a little bit faster, but it takes time. It slows it down. We're talking about a a plant here that can deteriorate if it's not handled properly and all that kind of thing. Um, And like I mentioned, it is expensive, but what happens is as you start taking the plant and putting it into other products, right? A lot of these processes distill the product, right? So they extract oils, they extract the THC, the CBD, et cetera. Well, when you distill anything, you're taking many parts down to a few. So now if you retest that product, which was 100% clean, California clean, and it had certain level, like no, almost no, 0.00% levels of, of pesticides and, you know, all this other stuff, whatever. Well, now you distill it, and now you're concentrating that by 10, 100 times, whatever the number ends up being. And now all of a sudden, this next level of stuff pops, and it doesn't pass all of the testing, right, because it's concentrated, and you can only have so much per. So... I don't know if there's a testing company that can solve that problem. I don't know if it has to be done from a regulatory perspective, but I think, you know, being able to prove the track and trace and the cleanness of the product, even when you're distilled down, I think is a big problem for the industry
0: to solve. What's the ticker for that, Aaron? What's the ticker for a current? Uh, you K know? E R N. K E R N. Yeah. For for the monkeys out there. For the monkeys, don't listen or follow anything that I do or say, that's for sure. Do, do your sure. own due diligence, but, uh, I, I think it's an interesting one, and another one that I'm looking at is Green Lane Holdings. They're actually hooked up with like Jewel, so that's like vaporizers, and they do th- they supply uh, rolling papers, grinders, and they're into e-commerce and all these things. So that's just a, just food for thought. That's kind of just where I was going to, as far as uh, not necessarily investing in weed itself, but supporting accessories and things like that so zach yeah i think we touched a little bit but are there any other um companies that you think might break out in this space yeah well
2: i can tell you there's a few to have warnings about right so you know there's there's you know all these hot tips for the stock that's going to explode and you know like we talked about a little bit all of these stocks have you know tripled, quadrupled, you know, sometimes even more since since last, basically since November when when a couple states, including New Jersey, um, voted for legalization. One that had been a hot stock for a while is Sundial, S-N-D-L. The thing about this stock was it was, you know, uh, supposedly a lightweight growth company. It was going to explode. It had a, you know, the stock's price was under five bucks. You know, it was really cheap and, and you know, the Wall Street bets and Reddit crowds went crazy for it. Got to be careful with companies like that because just a little bit of due diligence on sort of the, the, you know, senior level management and the business plan that's associated with it would raise a few flags. And as a result, the stock went from, I think it exploded up to like, you know, $3.50 and now it's down under a dollar, right around a dollar, right? So I, I think, you know, the hot tips, I think the best advice you could give any sort of cannabis investor is to truly understand the business model and how these companies make money who just released the other day. I think they had $32 million in revenue and $5 million in losses. And, and what was the name of the company? It was, I think it was leave I think was the company that just got popped out. And that's not a great business model. Right? That, those aren't numbers that are very exciting from an investment perspective. I know people get really excited uh, about the cannabis business, but I think a lot of the innovation that's happening is happening privately. And I do think that, Aaron, your, your hypothesis is correct. You want to go for the picks and shovels as opposed to the You know, I don't think there's a brand, particularly right now, that's, that's, you know, the hot and flashy one to invest in. The RFID technology that you mentioned earlier is really exciting. You could think of a whole bunch of different use cases. You know, let's say you buy a product and you scan the QR code on the packaging while you and your friends eat your edibles or vape, whatever it is that you're doing. And do you guys remember VH1 pop-up videos? Sure. Sure. You could have literally all the facts. Hey, this this plant was seeded in uh, San Bernardino, California, and it got this much sunlight per day, and it moved over through this and this, and then it can say this strain was originally developed by this planter, this whatever, and you could assign music to it so that, like, depending on which product you're using, there could be different music in the background that comes out of your iPad. So I think there's like a lot of really exciting ways to to incorporate the technology around it. I think farmers are going to be in trouble. I think it's going, to, it's going to move towards more of an alcohol model, right, where there's the big three who do most of the wholesale distribution, right? They're going to be the big movers and shakers. Um, but then you're going to get, you know, the dogfish heads, right? Like, so the small craft producers who have, like, innovative product or high-quality product, um, you know, whether or not you can invest in those, I think as a, as a, as a you almost want to do all of your investment locally. Right. So I I think if you can be involved in the scene, help support local dispensaries, different manufacturers. Right. Particularly until it gets federally legal, you know, you can't, as Richie was saying, you can't produce a gummy in California and ship it to Florida. So when New Jersey is legal, you need to find a manufacturing plant. You know, you need to have a commercial kitchen that can produce edibles. Right. And it has to be in New Jersey. So warehouse space is going to be important. Commercial kitchens are going to be important. Farmland is going to be important. One of the best investments you can make locally is to find any organic farmland that's available for sale and scoop that up. Uh, because right now it's, it's over in New Jersey, at least there's a three year process to get your farmland um, certified organic. So if you already have that certified organic, because you can't compete with the California stuff unless you're organic, right? That's just not going to happen. So all of that farmland, upstate New York, anything that's organic there, I'd be buying property and investing it in that way.
0: I have heard a story secondhand, and I don't know if this is true, but uh, I know somebody that knows somebody that's been offered 10 years rent up front to be able to open a dispensary in New Jersey.
3: This sounds like, uh, I mean, it sounds a lot like the oil market, right? Where You know, you, they, they, down here in Texas, they call it mailbox money, where you were living on this land and one day the guys came out and they, they figured out that there was they, they could frack there and they could... Pull out a lot of oil, or, or the old-fashioned way, and they would just pay you for a hundred-year lease, and you would just get this beautiful check. Walked out at the cold mailbox, meaning you'd walk down the mailbox once a month and get you get your check. As with oil, it seems like you could easily get into these boom-bust cycles, right, where you just have you know oversupply, and then oh, what happens with oil? Everybody gets everybody gets wiped out, gets flushed out because they oversupplied, then everybody stops, and then all of a sudden demand picks back up again, and you know there's shortages, but. Gosh, you could see it, right? I don't, know, I don't know how long it's going to be, but you could just see exchange traded futures and options on on different different grades of weed, right? It's just just like oil, just like you know gas and and, and petroleum products or anything else, or any any other commodity. Um, you know, I could definitely see the Chicago Merck getting involved. These guys, I mean, I don't know how long it's going to take, but those guys will kind of. To some degree, maybe weed gets standardized into specific things because that's it needs that financial market to really let it go, really let it explode. I
0: I mean, I don't know how much you guys have been exposed to people who just go on and on and on about the different strands of weed and how this one makes you feel. It could get real annoying like a weed sommelier, right? It's like, all right, buddy. Bud tenders are called, bud tenders. Whatever, whatever, guy. Like it's, It's ridiculous, just whatever pass it to me or don't um richie i'm really interested in your perspective on this because i I, from what i understand you don't really partake in marijuana you're a drinker and the easter prohibition is over
3: lent prohibition is over
0: lent prohibition is over so you're a drinker so you don't really partake and you're more of an old school investor right so do you see yourself getting involved in this area um as we've talked about before like
1: the I draw a little similarity to Bitcoin, right? Like kind of like old school guys might not care so much about something that's out there that's money or not money. It's digital, but I have invested in Bitcoin in the past. I haven't caught this run lately. That's where it's been going up, but I have made money. You know, I I don't mind investing in something that I think I can make some dough on. Um, Right now, I have been looking at these top stocks, the big ones, and they had a nice run, like Zach said. And in February, they really all kind of like jumped. And then uh, lately, though, it's been kind of not so great. And based on like the charts that I like to look at for stocks, um, it's not good at all right now for a lot of them. So they're they're basically, have hit their sell point. You know, the two charts that I look at kind of cross down to give off a sell signal. And the other thing that I would caution people with is no matter who the company is, they all seem to trade the same. Meaning, like, if you're like like what Zach was saying, like the, the small grower that's got something cool versus the real big guy who everybody knows, they're all moving the same way. So that tells me, like, nobody, like, these, either the the bots or, you know, the machines are like, they're one day, let's buy all the pot stocks. And then the next day, they're like, let's sell all the pot stocks. And right now, based on these charts, there's a lot of sell. So I would be cautionary around this whole thing. And if and if more bad news comes, like with Vice President Harris, you know, kind of, yeah, we got more important things to do. It's, it's going to be even tougher. And I just, just knowing, like, the way government works, kind of, um, you know, they all talk about it, just like sports betting, like, all these government officials, like, want to legalize it for the revenue, right, they can tax it, but, like, if you still have a black market, right, that, that goes on behind the scenes, and you tax this stuff too much, they're not going to use it, right, they're just right. not going to, it's not going to be like the same, That like, I I do partake in sports betting, I can tell you that, right? I have used the same guys, my guy, right, for, Jesus, we're going on 30 years. And a couple of them, not one, two, three, and I ask them all, you know, hey, dude, like, William Hill, or, like, uh, taking over Jersey, he's like, yeah, whatever. Like, like, they, they don't even care. They're like, it's like, yeah, but don't you get, like, loss of revenue there if guys are betting in the casinos. like He's like, where do you think illegal bookmaking came out of? And I'm like, I don't know. Like Vegas in like 1940. I'm like, Vegas? You could always bet in Vegas. He goes, exactly. But you didn't want to have to go walk there. You didn't want to have to like, you know, see everybody wait in line, blah, blah, blah. You just wanted your guy. And the most important part, the most important part of the, the illegal bookmaking it's all on credit. So it's a weekly settlement, usually. Right? So if you go to the casino and you want to bet on your favorite team, guess what? You're putting up all the money right now. So don't sit there and go, okay, you want 200 bucks? That's great. Let's
3: just mark you down. Can I tell a, B, a Big D story? Yeah. So we're talking like 90s. This is at least when I got introduced to Big D. So Richie has a, had an alternative, a, a, a doppelganger, if you will, um, named Big D.
0: I think that's the Monkey Business logo, the big, monkey on the big, logo. That's... Oh yeah, yeah, it, it's it big, well, Big
3: M, but, but Big D was big, was was sure it was Big Dick's Picks. Richie's being big Richie. Big Dick Dick's Picks. All right. So Richie used to do a, um, he had a 900 number. One that was a 1900, eight Big Dick's Picks. <laughs> and and <laughs> that was, that's what he used to do back in the day. You'd call and then they'd give you what the, what the picks were. So Richie used to have like, Back in again, back in the day, and this is when betting was college football was great because you'd have all these, all these for a couple of weeks you'd have thousands of you know, hundreds of games being played. There's no way that everybody could cover. They would put a line out in these games, but they couldn't. The bookies couldn't do enough of analysis to really cover this one obscure game, but they were making a line on. So we'd make a lot of money. Richie was the first two or three weeks of that. He would just pull out these these locks of the week. So anyway. Um, when we were at the Canadian Bank, so this is ninety seven, ninety eight, Richie, we used to know what kind of weekend Richie would have on Tuesday lunchtime. Is that right, Richie? Because Richie would either get up from his desk with a big envelope. If Richie got up with the big envelope of money and a big envelope filled with something and walked and walk down Lexington Avenue, you knew he didn't have a good week. But if he walked, got up and walked out and came back with a big envelope, and you knew Big Dick did a, had, a, had, a, had a great week.
1: And the best part is, right, like people think this is like shady business. You know, you meet your guy for the drop and all that. Take a wild guess. This is probably one of the most known landmarks in the world, perhaps. And that's where we would meet, which was the clock at Grand Central Station, right in the middle there. <laughs> How many people in their lives have met at that clock? I'll meet you at the clock, or I'm at the clock, and that's where we would go. Either I'd have an envelope, like Eric said, or I'd get one. And then we'd shoot the breeze for a little bit, and I'd go back to work, everything was good.
0: So what's the theory on why 420 is a catalyst, apparently, for rising stock prices In marijuana,
2: well, obviously, 420 is the police code for when you get busted with possession, right? So, uh, so it it gets sort of like a cool factor by saying, "Oh yeah, it's 420, it's 420." So much in the same way the sales that for for uh, for Guinness and Jameson go up for St. Patrick's Day, I feel like this is a look at the receipt. I bought Canopy on 420, right? Like I think it's sort of a it's it's almost like an Instagram or a Twitter um you know social media sort of impact i think people want to voice their support for marijuana being used used legally used responsibly that whole sort of situation so uh it's just a really catchy way to get out there and it's also you know if you check if you track the amount of vocal supporters on every 420 you can see that the momentum is growing right there's much we wouldn't be having this conversation even two years ago right like this would still sort of be hush hush We, you know the the reputational risk of talking about it in a supportive manner has changed. Right. Uh, and so I think vocal, showing your vocal support on a day like 420, it's kind of like, I mean, we've had Corona, so no one does parades anymore, but there used to be parades all the time and whatever it is you were supporting, you came out and supported that parade. And, you know, the attendance and sort of the enthusiasm of the participants kind of gave you an idea of how important that issue was relative to the other events that were having parades. So I think that's a lot of it that, that behind that, uh, the 420
0: phenomenon. Hmm. Eric, are you going to be having any parades in Texas?
3: No, the only parade we're having in Texas is we're all getting in the um, the uh, the moving van and and leaving Texas.
0: Oh, you're uh, selling it. You got a buyer, huh? Yeah. Well, no. Well,
3: I mean, gosh, talking about putting a house on the market um, now, it's just that uh, they're telling me we'll put it on, we're going to put it on in a couple of weeks, and um, and it should go like on the first or second day. So uh, that that'll be nice. Um, I, I will miss Texas. No, no one else in my family will will miss it. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're moving. Um, and uh, yeah, there's no there's no there's no pot parades in Texas. I'll I'll tell you that they are like. I mean, I don't know how some of the other conservative states are, but I mean, down here it's just well, it's weird because Texas is such a big state, right? So you have. You know, you're not going to stop weed in Austin, right? Like, like, you know, people who come, like, my, my son was up there with some of his friends from California. T- Jared goes to uh, Texas and Lubbock, but he, they were in Austin. And his Northern California friends were like, dude, like, this place is like, this is like home. Like, I love this, place. you know, but, and San Antonio is pretty, you know, pretty, a lot, very similar. Um, if you drive, like, Fifty minutes out of both of those cities, either east, west, east or west, you're in the middle of you know just you're in the middle of God's country. You're in the middle of you know ranch and cattle country and oil country, and it is really conservative. And I, I don't know why they hate wheat so much, but they they really hate it. And probably because you can't really grow it here. They they probably can't grow it otherwise. They don't. But um yeah. So with just so like I, I'm looking at Tilray, Tilray, and so so Tilray. I mean, it's got eighteen percent short interest right now can you play is the market not mature enough that you, like if you want to play like you're saying Zach and Richie about a relative value play let's think about that like just for the monkeys um so last week richie you, you were you were going against airbnb and like well you could do that or you can um you you can you could maybe maybe short A, B and B, but then go long some of the, the good hotel hotel stocks because you don't want to necessarily get short that entire sector when the economy comes roaring back, you know, you could be short A and B, but but it still it may still may go up and just follow the whole sector. So you wanna do a relative value long short play. Um, are there any are there any ways to play this from a relative value side with the stocks that are out there and trade relatively frequently? not specific names per se, but just, you know, is it, are we even there yet.
2: So if you're, if you're competent or, or, or brave enough to play in option space, some of the vol, the implied vol on these weed stocks are really high. <laughs> so you can, if you have targeted levels, so, so the way that I've been playing it for positions that I think have a chance to go up, I've been selling puts, you know, if you get a sign, then you can sell covered calls against them, right? I wouldn't sell any naked calls that that's probably a disaster, um, that's like a GME stock you know uh, situation waiting to happen but i think that you can collect quite a bit of premium you know selling selling the options in this space around levels that you feel comfortable with right like so till, uh, till raise down uh, what is it i haven't checked it since we've been on this but uh, it was around 19 bucks or so when, when we started yeah um, so you know if you take a look at maybe the you know the, the the put options one or two weeks out you know at 17 16 like you still can collect a decent premium depending on how much buying power you have, you could start to, you could really start to, to clip some, some, uh, some nice premiums in there. So you say the,
3: the 17 puts like may, may,
2: I wouldn't even go out that far. Uh, <laughs> if you could play them week by week, you know, collect your premiums on a weekly basis. Right. Uh, I've done that a few times. I've gotten hit. I've gotten hit at certain levels. Then I turn around and sell the covered calls. I get lifted out of the covered calls, you know, but it's all around the same strike. So you know the stock doesn't, make or lose the money that way, but you're collecting a ton of money with the implied balls being so high on the on those options.
0: Hmm. Walk me through that real quick. You're saying the price is at 19 and you're saying there's $17 puts, is that what you said? So what what does that mean exactly? You're betting for it to go down to 17? So
2: the, if the strike price for an option is $17, uh, if it's a put option, that means you have the right to sell that stock at $17. So you'd only exercise that option if the price was below seventeen dollars. So when you sell the put option, it's basically the exact inverse. So when you right. sell the put option, you're saying, I, I promise I will buy this stock at seventeen when you if if you ever choose to exercise
3: that option. Wow and if so check yeah. this out. So I just looked at the uh, so the implied vol on this option. Is 104, percent which Aaron is off off the charts. So I, I, I'm looking at a, a May auction. So it's 42 days from now. So if you sold the puts, right now the stock's trading at it's heading up now. Let's say it's 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 almost 20 bucks now. If you sold if you sold the 17 puts, you would get paid a um, buck 44, which means that you as long as the stock doesn't go down through 17 to to 1550 call it you're gonna you're gonna make money because you got paid you're getting paid to, to write that out now again it's, it's it's it it's dangerous but at least it's you know, your downside is not infinity your downside is you know stock goes to stock goes to zero so i think just just to give you an idea and so a lot of time that's what guys will do to try to generate income is you could you would sell these and You know, I don't think like option strategies that um, you know that that, that the that the kids are getting into. There's not there's not a lot of covered call writing. Meaning your 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 losses are limited. You own the stock already, and then you you sell a call, or you do a call spread, or a put spread. you okay, I'll sell the 17s, but I'll buy the 15, so I'm going to limit my losses there. So option strategies, but again, like just just think about this. If you don't know what I'm talking about right now. No, I, I mean, it's, it's just been doing this for so long, right? It's like, don't do it. I wouldn't Learn. even know where to
0: start, man. Like, I, I, like some of it makes sense, but like, I can can't even imagine applying this on my own. I'd have to have somebody hold my hand every step of the way and show me what you're doing. And even then I'm not even sure I would get it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So it's
0: just practice, right? So you have to do it over and over again, get your reps in, and then you kind of understand it. Is that right? Yeah.
3: You get your reps in with paper money, don't you know? Don't.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and here, here's the tricky part about options, too. Options trade in 100 lots, right? Yeah. So you're like, oh, I'll only sell one option for Tilray. Well, that's 100 shares, which means if you get assigned, you're buying 100 shares at $17. So you better have $1,700 ready to buy, you know, to, to, to put to work. So that's where it gets, the math, the math gets a little bit, uh, what do you want to call it? Like exponential. When you start doing like numbers of numbers of contracts times ten, times a hundred, all of a sudden, like it can start to be big money pretty quickly.
3: Well, that's why you know. Again, we've always been pushing against this idea that you know that, that people who don't really know the product yet are, are buying options. And it's like you know, you know, I, I know you get a bigger bang for your buck, right? Because I buy one option, I could I, I basically control a hundred shares of Google, but or a hundred shares of of GameStop. And people, I mean, kids have made a lot of money. I mean, there are some kids out there that I know that have made more money than, I, than I've done this year like, working. And I'm fifty-six years old. Uh, they and they're killing it. Um, but there's going to be a time, and it's starting to happen now, where you know what? You could buy that thing, and you don't. Get, and the thing is, like, they're not like I just I just use the the um, the acro. I use implied vol vernacular and option trading they're not looking at that. So they're not looking at how freaking expensive this option is, you know, put it against an option on the S&P 500 at the same time, you know, the same let's say the same it's it, it matures May May 21st 2021 and you'll see the S&P will be like 15% implied volatility. and this thing's trading 104%. Or I mean I I've, I've seen the game the game way out of the money trading at I think it was a uh, it was like, at some point it was 300, like right? <laughs> 300, right? Which is like freaking insane. And you got to realize like you got to get, you're paying 50 bucks for a freaking option that, you know, you got to not only hit the strike price, but you got to go 50 bucks through it to even start getting your money back. And the only thing crazier than that is I was pricing it out for, I think my son wanted to one of, the, one of, the, one of the, his friends was, you might, you might very well get it. You might, you might, you might very well get it tomorrow, which is, you know, that, and that is, that, but that reinforces your, your thoughts of, Hey, this is how you make money, you know? And you're not realizing that you're, you're in a very, very unique time right now where that type of stuff is, is, is doable. And you're open to that, you know? And like, I think Richie said early on, when we first started doing this is that when, when you're winning gambling or whatever you're winning, gambling is, this is gambling. You don't stop. Generally, people just don't stop. And generally, your bets get larger and larger until you realize, you know what, a year went by, and I freaking could have walked away with a quarter million dollars, but instead, I'm flat or I've, I lost money.
0: It's all fun and games till Big Dick has to whack a knee or something. <laughs> That's it. And he will. He
1: will. <laughs> uh, the other thing that we keep talking about, too, is the, the timing of this whole market, of financial markets. Right? So, like, We're now just past one year, the one-year anniversary of the the low point in this cycle of of the markets, right? In March of last year, 2020, that's when the pandemic was raging. People were terrified. Nobody went outside. Everything closed down. And people, you know, came along that were brave and said, you know what, this will get better. Let me buy some stocks. And it coincided with a lot of these newer investors who (coughs) weren't working at their offices, decided to open up some brokerage accounts and trade away. And a lot of them were sports bettors that didn't have any sports to watch and play. So they said, hey, let's try this stock market. And it's been a wonderful, pretty much, wonderful experience for the last 13 months right it's kind of it's, it's had some fits and starts but it, the trend has been up 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 a lot of these people that have started I bet 95% maybe 98% of their auction trading when they go into auctions they're buying calls that's that's what they're doing they're not selling puts which is also a bullish move. It has the same kind of math as a buying of a call, but they're not doing that. They're buying calls because somebody told them, you get a big bang for your buck, and watch when that stock goes up, I make a ton, and that's great. But if you're buying two-week, three-week options, some people buy like one-week options or three-day options, um, so they're really betting that the stock is going to go up. And the market starts to turn down which it always does, you know, the trend is always up, but you'll have some na- nasty turns, as we did last early March, all that money becomes worthless. Like, worthless. Like, if you own Apple stock, right, and it's at 130 bucks or whatever the hell it is, right, and it's split a ton of times, and you just own that thing, listen, if, if Apple stock goes to zero, like, we're probably all home dead <laughs> like, it, it won't matter right it won't matter just right. like I just nuclear winter. Apple stock but now I need to eat some food and drink some water from someone right That ain't gonna happen. but but if you buy Apple calls struck at 150 bucks when the stock is at 130, that could go worthless. Time and time and time again, like many times, you could just keep pouring money into that thing. Because if that stock goes from like 130 to 100, you're never getting to 150. You're never making money. You just threw like money away. And nobody, not not nobody, some, when they watch the GameStop thing happen, some have learned that lesson. Most, no way. No way. And that shit's coming. Like it's going to come. It always happens, right? It might be a long time, it might not. You know, I'm I'm a uh, member of the um, uh, AAII, and AAII is an organization of individual investors, American Association of Individual Investors, and that company puts out a weekly survey, which everybody likes to follow, everybody. And all they ask you is, are you bullish on stocks, bearish on stocks, or neutral? And every week I respond, right? And right now, right now, today, it's the highest, the bullish sentiment is the highest I think since 1999. And it's gone up every week. The last 19 out of 21 weeks, the bullish number has gone up. And you watch that, and if you go against that metric, right, that, that kind of survey, over time, like when it's very bullish and you're out of stocks versus when it's very bearish and you're into stocks, you are king of the investors. King of the investors. So we're getting to that point now where that thing is way hot. And I did vote just yesterday and I voted. Uh, they asked me what I thought of stocks and I was neutral. Neutral. Not bullish, not bearish. Neutral. Interesting. So I was. I was one of those guys.
0: And we have to jump here, but let's get into Richie's picks, and I guess we can go around the horn if you'd like. So, Richie, what are we looking at this week?
1: I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go out on a, a bit of a limb here. Yeah, I'm sad, but, but happy at the same time. <laughs> I think tomorrow, or Monday, I'm going to keep it today. It's down a little. Bit, but I think my good friends at the Boyd Gaming Company, BYD, I think I'm going to get out of the position.
0: Oh, okay, because I think I, I'm not
1: gonna short it. I'm not saying it's going bad. You're taking your profits. It's had a nice run. It's made everybody happy that has had it. It's actually moved for a boring company, like just a casino like that's exciting, but but they just make you know they're not making electric cars or anything like that, right. They just run a casino and try to keep more money than they give out, which is not terribly hard to do for the casino. Right? But that stock has run as if it was some like new idea, you know. In the last, even before last March, like that thing has just been running. And I'm just looking at a chart from six months ago. Yeah, six months ago the stock was at about thirty, thirty-one. Today is it? It's at sixty-two. Sixty-two. Chart. So you can't be sad to get out of that one because you know it paid you a lot. Now if it keeps going up. Well Richie's saying out. that
3: I'm furiously just like Morgan Stanley did to uh, and, and Goldman and those guys did to credit Swiss and Nomura with, with the Wanger with the uh, I, I'm I'm furiously selling what Richie's talking about. <laughs> before getting this gets out.
0: out yeah, before this gets out to the public, yeah. <laughs> yeah season,
3: <laughs> you're, you're you're tech you may be technologically challenged right now. So I've I've jumped ahead of you online.
0: That's funny. All right. So Zach, any picks? Yeah. So I'll keep with the theme in terms
2: of uh, cannabis stocks. I really like grow generation. They're like a farming supply company. Uh, they're basically like a, a Lowe's or a home Depot for, for cannabis farming. I'd be buying on the dips. It's a little on the high side, like we talked about, but any sort of, you know, 5% drop in the stock price I'd be adding and, and sort of establishing a core long-term position. And that probably sells some covered calls against it. And then for your, Dividend episode next week, I like Annaly, N-L-Y. Just a killer dividend on that stock. It's super stable. People try to play it from the option side. It doesn't move. <laughs> it's, uh, it's an extremely well-run company. It basically invests in agency mortgages, and uh, that's a key position for me. I love it. I love it as a dividend play, and I think when dividends start to become a lot more important in this market environment, people are going to start to fall in love with that read story again, kind of like they did in 2013 or 14. Right now it trades at like 90% book value, more or less. And, you know, historically when dividends are cool, it trades at like 110 to 120. And that's when the company starts issuing shares and stuff at that level. So uh, I like it. I like it for the, all of this year. And uh, it's a core position for me.
1: Now, what was the ticker on the pot
3: stock, Zach? Uh, GRWG. GRWG, thank you. And Eric? Well, other than selling Boyd Gaming, um, <laughs> selling from my long position, yeah, it's funny. We'll talk about dividends next week. Uh, so Annaly is a very similar uh, product that a similar company that that AGNC that I that I recommend. And again, it's a it's a dividend. I, what Zach's talking about is like it's a, everything is lined up to be you know to be good for. an an agnc or an ally that buys agency mortgage-backed securities funds it with short-term money and you know right now with the we talk about with the yield curve relatively steep with rates still very very low you like the high dividend stocks that also are buying the product that the fed is buying fed buys 40 billion dollars of mortgages a month mortgage-backed securities these guys own that they basically fund short and buy a little longer they play the yield curve yield curves going in there in their direction too and again yeah you got a nice dividend if you're making a 10% dividend yield right now in a market where you know you still still even rates going up you know 10-year treasury's at 165 so you know I I can that to me is that's probably my biggest core holding right now is in in, in my accounts is uh, is, is AGNC um, and, and, Emily is certainly, um, uh, you know, very, also very, very well-run company, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I'm doing right now. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm getting nervous. Like said, he's neutral, you know, I was, I was talking to Richie last week and I was thinking like, you know, I'm starting to feel bulletproof, like, especially with my banks and stuff like that. Like what could go wrong? And every time, and Zach, will, Zach will cringe when I say this, every time that I felt bulletproof, that's when I fucking get blown up. Like I start losing my fear and I think I'm right. And, and, and everybody's telling me I'm right. And then, you know, it's taken me a lot of years to go. That's when you fuck up. So I am, I am a little nervous and I think I'm going to probably pair back. So we've taken some good ga- We've taken some, we've had nice profits in our bank calls in our PNC. And I'm, I own the Pros- the prosperity bank down here. I think I'm going to lighten up on that too. Cause I just, everything looks too good. And, something always happens
0: proceed with caution out there folks proceed with caution and zach before we go do you want to talk about on the arm a little bit
2: yeah on the arm is uh you know it's it's really an exciting place right now it's hyperledger technology for supply chain finance so effectively what it does is it allows you to lever up your supply chain and really increase your ability to buy and sell and move products and to do so in a compliant way Even if, you know, the Safe Banking Act passes and and situations where it becomes legal federally, I think there's still a long runway for OTA because, you know, it tracks a lot of metadata. It takes a lot of information about your supply chain, about your business, and it can be distilled into a manner that helps you make really better business decisions. So the ability to really have their finger on the pulse of a business. I think a lot of the, the up-and-coming cannabis businesses, they're focused on the product. They're focused on innovation. They're focused on solving problems that are that are impacting their day-to-day business. They're not really thinking longer term of, how do I get all this information together to have a longer-term business strategy? They're just there's so many problems to overcome right now. They're just solving those problems, and I think something that uses hyperledger technology to track all of the sort of buys and sells and inventory management is something that has a, a lot of legs long-term. So, uh, you know, hopefully there's some interest for that in, in the marketplace.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you again next week on the Monkey Business Show.